catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. I had reached my elasticity. I thought I could continue doing it. You understand? I was spiraling down a very dark, endless tunnel. I knew I was going down this depression line. I needed help, but I didn't want help. I just wanted to be alone in a dark place. This is Esther Nkemjika, a lawyer in Nigeria who shares her story on her fight with work-induced depressive tendencies. She's one of the many privileged Nigerians who are bold enough to tell their stories of stress anxiety and depression that working in the corporate world in Nigeria brings. I had like an incident with my boss and another colleague and I just, everybody were like, ah, no, just go and beg or go and In fact, he literally technically forgave me because he still paid my salary. But I said, this is a coy, it's a decoy to say, hey, you can do it. Apparently, they have even increased their salary in my workplace I left. But I'm like, I can't handle this anymore. I'm losing myself. I can't, I can't handle this anymore. The COVID-19, amongst other issues, have increased the stressors at workplaces and more Nigerians have fallen into the valley of depression. The real problem most times does not lie in being depressed, but in the stigma and the scarcity of help that you can get if you become depressed in Nigeria. A study published by a health tech company, Well Knew Me, reveals that a third of all employees in Nigeria are at an increased risk of workplace stress. Another study by the World Health Organization in the year 2019 showed that over 7 million Nigerians suffer from depression. Nigeria is home to Africa's highest caseload of depression and ranks 15th globally in the frequency of suicide. I think it's high time we talked about this as it affects our work and workplaces where we spend most of our adult lives. Why workplace-induced depression, you may ask? The awareness of mental health-related issues, especially at the workplace where most Nigerians spend most of their lifetime. The stigma, and as Esther notes later in this series, Everyone seems to be stuck in this valley with no help on the way. What is this depression? What types of depression are there? How do you get depressed? We asked the psychologist Dr. Otefe Edebi for expert insights. How do you describe depression? What are the symptoms and how can I know that I am depressed? Depression is a state of your mood. And your mood basically refers to your feelings and your thinking, which invariably impacts on your behavior. We are talking about feeling unhappy and having thoughts that are negative. It's a combination of feeling and thoughts and also invariably behavior that generally culminates in a sense of unhappiness and um, negative thoughts. That's putting it in very, very simple terms. What I have said in simple terms is not what makes for a diagnosis of depression, but that simply defines what it means for someone to be depressed. The symptoms of depression are many. Depending on what model you decide to make diagnosis from, 
Now, medically, there are two types of models we use. We use something called the International Classification of Diseases, or we also use the Diagnostic Statistic Manual to make diagnosis. If we use um, the International Classification, which is the one that the World Health Organization uses, we talk about three cardinal signs of depression. One, low mood. Number two, low energy. And number three, loss of interest in previously pleasurable activities. The presence of two out of these three is suggestive. Then other symptoms that are present in depression, change in appetite, two, change in sleep, three, change in sex drive, four, change in thoughts. So there's there are feelings and thoughts of helplessness, hopelessness, and sometimes thoughts of guilt, like someone feels guilty about events of the past. Now, this guilt, hopelessness, and helplessness is almost pervasive in in terms of, I mean, you feel guilty when you've done something wrong, but when someone is repeatedly saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and Maybe people around them say, ah, that's enough, now we understand. But the person keeps begging for forgiveness or keeps stressing how bad they are or how helpless the situation is. Then one begins to worry that, okay, this is kind of getting out of hand because no amount of um, convincing seems to be moving the person out of that thought. Then there are also sometimes the thoughts of suicide, like I'm tired of life. And I want to take my life. Sometimes some people feel as though they are not real, or though the environment is not real. So one patient once described it: say was on a bike, and, um, and the bike had an accident, and he fell. And in that brief moment, he just could not seem to. It was almost like, am I here? Am I not here? It was almost like someone watching a film. You know, it's almost like you are not involved. You are not part of the whole event. So there's a detachment from what is going on. Now, these symptoms are not always present in everybody experiencing depression. Once you have at least four of these things, of all these symptoms I have mentioned, then and these symptoms are there, if you have at least four, and they're happening every day or almost every day, almost all parts of the day, and it has lasted for two weeks or more, then the person is clinically depressed. So it's not just the presence of one or two or even three of these symptoms. They have to be four or more. Some some classification says at least five or more. So all the things I've mentioned, low mood, change in appetite, change in sleep, change in sex drive, feeling of hopelessness, um, even poor memory. Someone who is struggling with depression may find themselves forgetting things, you know, and they are aware they are forgetting things. They may find it difficult to concentrate, to be present in a conversation. So a conversation is going on, but the person just feels detached, almost like I can't even remember what we talked about. I can't remember what I did, you know, and all that because their mind is filled with, uh, and then someone who's less generally depressed tends to think a lot about, like I said, helplessness, has pessimistic thoughts and nothing is going to work, nothing is going to turn out fine. Those are symptoms you see um, in depression. So the presence of, of four or more of these symptoms lasting every day 
for two weeks. In other words, if someone experienced this for a few days and it doesn't last up to two weeks, then the person is not necessarily clinically depressed. So it's not just unhappiness alone that we use to determine whether someone is depressed. So now, what's the difference between stress, anxiety, and depression? Um, for anxiety, we're looking at a longer period that you experience this for uh, one to three months. Actually, say three months, you know. And um, so, and then the symptoms of anxiety, a lot of them are quite similar to that of depression. But as the name implies, anxiety, it means to worry. You know, it means to be uh, tensed. It means to be on the edge. So you will notice that when I was listing out the symptoms, I didn't really talk about being tensed. I didn't talk about being on the edge. I didn't talk about being um, overly worried about, you know, events of your life or things going on around. So if someone is on the edge, if someone is tensed, if someone is uptight, if someone is um, easily, though irritability occurs both in anxiety and in, in, and in uh, depression, but just a simple way of defining it. They are both um, disorder of your mood, but one is uh, predominantly uh, unhappiness and tiredness, while the other one is predominantly being tensed. Now, if somebody perceives a work environment as a threat environment. You know, maybe every time I'm going to work, they will shout at me again. My boss will demean me. My boss will not appreciate me. So I find myself tense, almost like uptight, almost like I have to just constantly be worried. Then that is anxiety. Different different from um, feeling unhappy. You know, however, I must say this, that you can have both coexisting at the same time. So I can both be anxious at work and at the same time unhappy at work. It's really sometimes there is really no line. It's that I guess it's it's possible to have either or or even have both occurring at the same time. And then you talk about stress. So stress really is just about pressure. Stress simply just means pressure and the feeling that you do not have um enough resources to match the pressure. And stress can cause depression, stress can cause anxiety. Your boss can be stressing you. Your subordinates, so let's not make this all about bosses. Your subordinates too can just be stressing your life, you know. And sometimes you just feel like, if I had my way, I would just not work with this person or avoid this person, you know, something like that. So you can you can be, you can even be depressed working with somebody below you, not that the person is your boss, so you just depress that, you know, and all of that because maybe if you are a good guy or a good girl, you don't like to shout at people, but this person helps, makes you feel that way. So now, how does someone even get depressed? I mean, what causes depression? The depression can occur as a standalone illness. Depression can occur following certain situations. People experience depression at certain time of the year. Those ones are referred to as seasonal affective disorder. People become depressed during the winter and it has been associated with longer nights and shorter days. Um, the day can become dark by 6 p.m. and uh, sometimes even as early as 5, 5 p.m. It's already dark in those regions. And that's why part of the treatment for depression sometimes there's also light therapy. 
in some places they use lights just increasing light time of light for the individual then you also have depression occurring as a result of um, other conditions for example it can occur um, due to a general medical condition so someone can be uh, can be diagnosed with cancer a chronic medical condition and therefore become depressed as a result of that condition some people can also suffer depression as a result of some organs in their body not functioning the way it should function particularly the thyroid organ when your thyroid hormones are down person will experience some form. so that's like depression arising from a medical condition then you have depression occurring when nothing is going wrong as in everything is beautifully well the person looks around their life everything is fine sometimes people describe it this way they say ah, but everything was going on well for the person person seems to have hammered person is doing well you know so why why are you still depressed um, that kind of depression sometimes is described as melancholic depression where whereby it's coming from the inside it has nothing to do with the environment as in nothing has gone wrong everything is working fine yet the person is still um, struggling with depression so even depression can arise from drug use for example people who abuse crack um, when they are not high may also struggle may find themselves having very intense periods of depression when they are withdrawing from the use of crack so that i think that is also worth mentioning so things like that can be investigated depression can also occur in conditions like um, bipolar affective disorder where the person the name bipolar means two poles bipolar so on one side of the pole is depression on the other side of the pole is mania so that person expresses time when they are excited they are talking a lot they are full of energy then on the other side of the pole they flip to the other side and that same person sometimes becomes withdrawn socially withdrawn quiet you know unhappy and all that so that's depression occurring in bipolar and then depression too can occur in some other mental health um, situation so and then finally depression too can occur following childbirth the popular uh, postpartum depression so someone has a child and um, some explain that it could be due to changes in hormonal the hormonal balance in the woman following childbirth it's not really clear maybe it's um, um, sometimes also it's just the burden of a newborn baby but regardless of however the cause or whatever the type of depression the symptoms are the same so whether it's seasonal affective disorder whether it's bipolar affective disorder whether it's unipolar depression whether it's postpartum depression whether it's depression due to a general medical condition the symptoms are the same can someone who has a job and is living fine actually be depressed like why should they be depressed they're just being lazy at least they have a job and a source of income. What should the 17% of the population that do not have a job now do? I mean, they should go and kill themselves. Well, besides this being a part of the stigma that people who share their mental health issues usually face, we really need to change how we perceive or think about mental illness, especially when it has to do with work. Unfortunately, because it's not something you can see physically, people often don't get it. They don't understand why 
why depression will be even classified as, dis- as a disability. A person who is depressed is unable to function um, effectively. I mean, it may not, it may be physically able, but because of where, and it's not a dysfunction. We often say depression is not a defect in character. It's a defect in chemistry. So it's not just that, oh, this person just is just lazy, doesn't want to walk. No, it's that the person, sometimes the person is even shouting inside. Sometimes depression is described like you are inside a cage of in your mind. So you are screaming out for help, like help me, but it's almost like nobody can hear you. All they can see is, oh, he doesn't want to get up from bed. And sometimes if depression happens as a result of life events, like a loss, you know, maybe you lost a relationship or you lost someone, don't just tell you, oh, get, just get up and go. But you don't know that. Is beyond the event. Is that I? I want to walk. I want to do something, but I am literally unable to carry that. So yes, it is not just a disability. It is the number one cause of disability worldwide. How real is this stigma? I mean, is there really any research or data to back it up? We found a research paper of 2015 in the International Journal of Psychology and Counseling by Dr. Oyewumi Adebukola, which highlighted issues of cultural indifference, denial and evasion as major aggravators of the mental health concerns in Nigeria. We had to ask her if these concerns were still valid in 2021. The issues of cultural indifference, evasion and denial that I raised in my 2015 paper on mental health are still very valid. In specifics, cultural indifference is underpinned by widespread ignorance on the negative effect of poor mental health, um, especially because of the varied modes of its manifestation. There are still several misconceptions that are associated with mental illness. People are still being stigmatized. There's still a culture of silence, evasion, and denial. And so, although there's been some level of conversations on the importance of mental health, these conversations have not necessarily been matched with the adequate actions that are needed to address the challenges. Let's talk to Obi Ibokwe, the CEO of health tech firm WellNewMe, about the issue of stigma. And interestingly, he links it to the brain flight of professionals in the mental health field. Because as of, as of five years ago, we already had like a hundred licensed psychiatrists in Nigeria. And uh, I can't even tell you the number of um, psychologists that they have, clinical psychologists they have in Nigeria. is just as low. Um, again, it might be due to the stigma that we've, we, we give to mental health where we not put an emphasis on, on de- developing the skills and the professionals for focus in that area. But it's not even just Nigeria. Yeah? I mean, it's, it's a global thing. It's where the stigma attached to mental health is, is, is there. And it's something that still needs to be overcome. I mean, it's, getting, it's better in, in the more advanced countries but the stigma is still there. So it's, it's not just a, a Nigerian thing. So now that we've got that out of our way, can we say that there is a thing called work depression? Let me tell you something. On Sunday, like, I'll be happy. On Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday night, Monday morning, you see me fidgeting. I say, I, my heart will be beating faster than normal. But I'll myself, what was wrong with me? Because I'm like, hey, am I going to go through this turmoil again? I'll be in my workplace. I can't wait for five o'clock 
Once the five o'clock is, I've taken my bag. I've run. I'm running away. I can't handle it anymore. It was literally so bad that I stopped talking to my roommates. She was like, oh, maybe this girl needs space. I'll just say one word. I started losing appetite. If you bring food, I'll just take two spoons. I would lie down, I would use blankets to cover my face. I will not be doing anything on that, I just want to be dark. I'll say, put off the light, I don't want to say anything. Because I was asking myself, what are you doing with your life? How old are you? Is this how you're, is this? I saw myself, am I going to, imagine our parents that, that in government jobs that did this thing for 35 years, 40 years. No wonder they have so much pain and they exert those pain on us. How does your workplace perceive depression? Do HRs know about depression? What are the implications of a depressed working population? How can workplaces work around this new rising challenge of mental illnesses? Can we say that there is a thing called work depression? In the next episode, we'll look into these areas. Thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.